Y'all doing good? I said, are y'all doing good? Sweet. You're like, who is this guy? Hey, if we haven't had the chance to meet, uh, my name is Julian, and I have the honor and privilege of being the students coordinator here for the Flowing Wells campus. Um, I actually also have the opportunity of overseeing our Sunday Connect. Do we have any Sunday Connect people here from any campus? Make some noise. Awesome. Hey, so if you don't know what Sunday Connect is, Sunday Connect is our 12 to 14-year-old service on Sundays at every single campus. Uh, so if you're 12 to 14 and you're like, you know what, I don't want to be in kids no more. Those 10-year-olds drive me crazy because I'm mature at 12, right? I got a point right now. Or if you're like, I feel not ready for Pastor Whalen's messages and I fall asleep in church, and you want to just hang out with some other people your age, hey, come join with us in Sunday Connect. But I don't say that jokingly in the sense of we don't do anything. We have fun. We have a good time. But the whole purpose of that is that we seek after God, right? We don't come here just to do anything. We don't come here just to have fun or just to hang out with friends or see the, the person you have a crush on and be like, do they get saved yet? Okay, we could start dating. That's not why you're here. We are here to encounter the Lord. Uh, also, kind of a fun thing, uh, Claudia is my wife. She's up here. I don't know if y'all have met her. Can y'all give it up for Claudia? She is here. She is amazing. Guys, next year is two, or next month, excuse me, is two years of marriage. We have been married for two years next month. It has been great. It has been amazing. And she is my best friend. So if you have your Bible, <coughs> excuse me, guys, I have a little bit of a cough still. So if I start coughing, just pray for me or give me CPR, one of the two. Uh, if you have your Bible, turn to 1 Samuel chapter 26. 1 Samuel chapter 26. A little bit of context. 1 Samuel is written by a man by the name of Samuel. Samuel grew up to be a prophet, and basically God spoke through him for the nation of Israel. And he, the, the people of Israel tell him, hey, Samuel, will you tell God that we want a king? Will you tell God that we want to be like the other nations and have a king? So at this standpoint, they might have had judges or leaders, and, but really their king was God. But at this point, they wanted to be like the nations around them, and have a king. The whole thing about a king is that a king is human, and are humans perfect? No. So God is saying, hey, if you just rely on me, uh, you'll be okay, but if you have a king, this king will make you pay taxes. Those of you that pay taxes are like, oh, this sucks, right? <laughs> like, and, if those, and then he says, your king will send your children to war, and they will die. Your king will oppress you. Your king will fail you. Your king will cause you to go to war and lose. You will lose land. You will gain land. But this king, in many ways, will fail you. And the people say, let's do it. So, therefore, they get a king by the name of Saul. Saul is anointed king, and Saul is taller than anyone else in the land. But the thing about Saul is that he really likes people's opinions and has a hard time being king. God has called him to be king, but we don't really see if Saul likes the job. And, and the thing is, is that when we do things off of, of that we might not necessarily fully trust ourselves in, is we base our abilities and our success off of people's opinion. So Saul makes the mistake a couple times and disobeys God so he gets good opinions from the people. God therefore says, Saul, you have disobeyed me. You have, you have decided 
you want the people's opinion more than my opinion, therefore I'm replacing you. The very moment Saul is replaced, Samuel finds someone by the name of David. Somebody say David. David is a boy, a teenage boy at the time. He's a shepherd. He is anointed king while Saul is still king. David, instead of going as a teenager saying, I'm king now, he goes back to the shepherd's field and hangs out with sheep. David then proceeds to life happens and situations happen. And then this man named David ends up killing someone by the name of Goliath. Y'all heard of Goliath, the giant? But then David is still not king. He's still serving under Saul. And then, and then he's being obedient, knows that he's called to be king. He's been told by God, you're going to be king, but he doesn't rush the throne. Now he's a general in Saul's army. Saul doesn't like how David is gaining this popularity and has a hard time with this kid on the rise. They would sing songs of Saul kills his thousands, but David kills his tens of thousands. And Saul, because he loves people's opinions so much and, and holds the throne based off what people's opinions are, he tries to kill David, and it says that he throws spears at him. This triggers an event that for the next 10 years of David's life, he's a fugitive on the run, but he's innocent. He spends the next 10 years living in caves, running from Saul, living in swamps, living in the desert, moving to enemy nations just so he's not killed by the king who's actually also his father-in-law. So David is not allowed to go home, not allowed to see his wife, but yet he's told he's going to be king. But the current king is trying to kill him. For 10 years, David runs, and David then begins because People have giftings, and if you're called to be king, you're going to kind of gain a following. And, and he gets about 400 people to start following him, almost like a militia running around Israel, avoiding it. Ten years into the story, we come into 1 Samuel chapter 26. If you're there, say, I'm there. If you're not there, say, I need to hurry up. 1 Samuel chapter 26. Some people from Ziph went to Saul at Gebeah. They said, David is hiding on the hill of Hakilha. It faces Jishmona. Do we know where that is? I don't know where that is. We're like, I don't really know what those words. They understood. We don't. They knew the direction. Verse 2. So Saul went down to the desert of Ziph. He took 3,000 of the best soldiers in Israel with him. They went to the desert to look for David. Saul set up his camp beside the road. It was on the hill of Hekelah, facing Jeshimon. But David stayed in the desert. He saw that Saul had followed him there, so he sent out the scouts. From there he learned that Saul had arrived. Y'all think you got haters. Saul didn't like David so much that he sent 3,000 of his best soldiers into the desert to find this one man. Some of y'all get mad when people unfollow you on Instagram. Some of y'all get mad when people look at you funny. This man, David, is running for his life for 10 years, and there's 3,000 soldiers <coughs> that want him dead. Verse 7. So that night, David with Abishai, somebody say Abishai. If you want a boy name, that's a boy name for you. Went into the camp. They found Saul lying asleep inside the camp. His spear was stuck in the ground near his head. Abner and the soldiers were lying asleep with him. So, basically, Abishai 
this wild man, David, break into Saul's camp. And Saul's spear is next to David's head sleeping. Make sense? Y'all tracking? You're like, oh boy, what's going on in the Bible? And why does Julian have a giant rod? You will see. It says here, Abishai said to David, today God has handed your enemy over to you, so let me pin him to the ground. I can do it with one jab of the spear. I won't even ever, I won't even have to strike him twice. So you can imagine this. David has been on the run for 10 years from this man. He's innocent. Because of this man, he hasn't been able to have a life for 10 years. And here Abishai is standing over Saul, the man who's caused him pain for 10 years. And Abishai is saying, look at what God just did. Let me just let it go. And it's over. Right? Gravity and a few loosened fingers, and suddenly all of David's problems are no more. And David becomes king. Abishai says, God made this happen, so kill him. Kill him! Everyone's like, yes, I want blood. <laughs> like, yes, do it! Some of y'all are violent. But David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. No one can harm any, no one can do any harm to the Lord's anointed king and not be guilty. You can be sure that the Lord lives, he said. And you, and you can be just as sure as that the Lord himself will strike down Saul. Perhaps you'll die a natural death or perhaps you'll go into battle and be killed. May the Lord keep me from doing anything to harm his anointed king. Now get the spear and water jug that are near his head and let's leave. This man has ran for 10 years. And all Abishai has to do is hear David say yes and let gravity do the rest. They wouldn't even hear Saul make a noise because he'd be dead instantly. David will become king. He will get to go home. The man who's been trying to kill him for 10 years is finally dead. David is on the brink of having everything he has been hoping for and praying for. And yet David says no. Would you? You don't even have the blood on your hands. You just have to say yes. David didn't even have to hold the weapon for this whole thing to go down, but yet David said no. Because it doesn't make sense. Everything seems right in this moment. He's called to be king. God told him. He has followers, his 400. He's ran, he's been tired. And from human perspective, as Abishai said, God has handed Saul over to David. But here's the thing, no matter how big or small, God never allows us to do the wrong thing to make something right. Negative plus positive, still negative. In Romans chapter 13, verse one, you're like, why is he the anointed one? 
Verse three, or it says here in chapter three, 13 of Romans, it says, let everyone be subject to governing authorities. How many of y'all like the government? Some of you are like, eh, it depends. What year is it? <laughs> Who's in charge? But it says here, everyone must be subject to the governing authorities for there is no authority except that which God has established. The authorities that exist have been established by God. Consequently, whoever rebels against the authority is rebelling against God. And those who do so will bring judgment on themselves. You're like, wait a minute. So when you think of governing authorities, you can think, well, the president, Congress, the Senate. But this is not just governing authorities in the political aspect, but really anyone in your life who has influence, this applies. It could be a tribe leader, a pastor, a parent, an older sibling, anyone, a law enforcement, a principal, presidential figure that your parents didn't like, but they got in. All authority comes from God, good or bad. This is challenging for us as Christians because here in the States, where these colors don't run and our away colors are camouflage and our home colors are red, white, and blue, we just vote you out. I don't like him, so I'm going to put a bumper sticker of the other guy. I don't like him, so I'm going to get a flag or I'm going to put, I'm just going to Twitter fingers this whole thing and put it on Facebook and we vote him out. But the concept of this is hard because <clears throat> all authority comes from God. Because does, is Saul a good man? No. Is he flawed but yet human? Yes. Did God put him there? Yes. But yet Saul still has a problem with David. This is hard for us to recognize because you could think of leaders throughout history who were bad men. You learn about them in history class. Some whose names you can't even say on social media and your post disappears. You might think, but that's on the global stage, but you might have teachers you don't like. You might have a step-parent you don't get along with. All authority comes from God. And David recognized that, that all authority comes from God. See, it says here that you guys might be in a spot where you might have your own thing that you might not be holding a spear over somebody, but maybe there's that teacher that pushes your buttons, so you push hers back because you want to be right. Or maybe there's that person at school that, let's be honest, they might make fun of you or they might joke around, but you got to get even because you're pride. The same thing that sent the devil to hell, your pride. And you think you're right. You're like, well, my pride. The thing is, is that oftentimes we just want and respect the thing. And let me say this first and foremost. Never follow a leader who's calling you to do things that aren't biblical. There's a very big difference. If you had a teacher that's making you do things, right? If like your boss was like, you need to steal all this money. You leave. If you have someone that is abusing you at home, we have leaders here that want to help you. If you have, if you're in the military and they told you to do something not good and could be a war crime, you don't do it. 
But this is talking about the concept of leaders who are hard to work with. Because it's better to suffer and have God's blessing than to get even and lose God's covering. Verse 12 says this, so David took the spear and water jug that were near Saul's head. I need, I can't use, I need both hands. So I got, sorry, just imagine me holding a spear. Then he said, and Abishai left, no one saw them. No one knew what they had done. In fact, no one even woke up. Everyone was sleeping. That's because the Lord had put them in a deep sleep. So the Lord did do this. David went across to the other side of the valley. He stood on top of a hill far away from Saul's camp. There was a wide space between them. He called out to the army and to Abner, the son of Ner. He said, Abner, aren't you going to answer me? Abner replied, who is calling out to the king? Context, Abner is basically Saul's bodyguard. David said, you're a great soldier, aren't you? There isn't anyone, oh, excuse me, sorry, I just zoomed in. There isn't anyone else like you in Israel. So why didn't you guard the king? He's your master, isn't he? Someone came into the camp to destroy him. You didn't guard him, and that isn't good. You can be sure that the Lord lives, and you can be just as sure that you and your men must die. That's because you didn't guard your master. He's the Lord's anointed king. Look around you. Where are the king's spears and water jug that are near the head? So to prove that they were there, they took the king's stuff that was next to him, left, and notice this is the crazy part because a lot of times we hold our tongue and go, oh, if I would have said this, oh, you're lucky I didn't do this to you. David is literally doing a better job at protecting the man that wants him dead than Saul's own bodyguard. He's going, why didn't you protect your king? That's my king. He might be trying to kill me. He might be a jerk, but you better protect my king because that's God's anointed. He's trying to not be killed by this man, but yet he protects him. There's a lot of you that have jobs, parents, teachers, principals, siblings, leaders here at church that you love, who you might have a problem with, but you don't protect the moment you walk out. You'll talk just as bad about them. You might not say it to their face, but how you talk about the leaders and people in your life matters. I don't say that as an expert. I say that convicted. I can do better. But here's the thing. How you respond matters. Verse 17, Saul recognized David's voice. He said, my, David, my son David, is that your voice? <laughs> David replied, yes, it is King Saul, my master. He continued, why are you chasing me? What evil thing have I done? What am I guilty of? King Saul, please listen to what I'm saying. Was it the Lord who made you angry with me? If it was, may he accept my offering. Was it people, was it people who made you angry at me? If it was, may the Lord see them cursed. Then they, they have driven me today from my share of the Lord's land. By doing that, they might as well have said, go and serve other gods. Don't spill my blood on the ground far away from where the Lord lives. King Saul, you have come out to look for nothing but a flea. It's as if you were hunting a partridge in the mountain. <clears throat> David is literally saying, Saul, if I have a problem with you, just tell me. What did I do wrong? Some of y'all might be offended at someone. And you'll gossip a bunch, but you won't talk to them. Like I said, I ain't perfect at this. That's why I love my wife. I'll be frustrated about something. But like, like, would you talk to him? No, but I might. 
but it's biblical. A lot of you go, but they messed up my respect. In my culture, in my ethnic background, in my neighborhood, where I grew up in these streets, we don't do that. But here's my question to you. Are you the culture you grew up in? Or are you kingdom culture? Because kingdom culture, that Jesus came, said, no, we talk to our brother. We talk to those who offend us. Some of y'all be like, but we don't do that. We don't do that in my streets. So are you streets first or heaven first? That's between you and the Lord. Well, my family, we just keep our emotions inside. Are you going to stay there and let your kids deal with it? Or are you going to see what Jesus says about it? Y'all might not like me tonight. Maybe you need to have a conversation with me afterwards. But I'm just challenging you here because the thing is, when we're obedient to God, when we are challenged by people, God blesses us. This isn't God just being like, because I said so. Nowhere in the Bible does it say, because God said so. Everything God does is for your good. Everything God asks of you and commands of you is for your good. And if God wants us to have healthy conversation, to not be offended, to do things his way, there must be something for us on the other side. David, excuse me, guys, sorry. Even in this cool moment, right? Imagine how cool David would have felt, though, like on the other side of the mountain, like, Saul, look what I took. Abner, you're slow, right? Like, and Abishai is crazy. He had a spear above your head, Saul. It would have been wild. It would have like a watermelon popped. He doesn't. He stays humble. And he protects the man who wants him dead. See, here's the thing. Some of you suffer because you want to be right so bad. So bad. Some of y'all will be dragged through the mud. You're like, you'll dig a hole. Like, your parents would be like, clean up the room or no Xbox, and then somehow within 10 minutes, you're grounded half the year. That's your fault. Well, my parents don't understand me. But you decided to give attitude. Well, my teacher makes, my, my teacher doesn't actually help me but you leave her class every morning and you give her attitude every single day. Well, I keep getting in trouble with school and da 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 and, and well, you keep trying to dig a bigger hole. 1 Peter 3.17 says this, remember, it is better to suffer for doing good if that's what God wants. That's challenging because we think, God, I'm having a hard time. It's a demonic attack. It's the devil. He's there. I think he has better things to do at times. <clears throat> if God wants, there are seasons where God will put you under people that are hard to listen because he's trying to build your character. If every leader in your life was good, you wouldn't gain much. Pastor Taylor taught me this very early on in youth ministry. You learn more from bad leaders than you ever will from good. You learn what not to do. And Pastor Taylor's a great leader. Let me put that here first and foremost. I love my pastor. But it says here, but it's better to suffer for doing good if that's what God wants than to suffer from doing wrong. I had a conversation with a student a couple weeks ago. Hey, man, how's your week? And he goes, well, it's okay. I'm like, well, why? He goes, well, it looks like I might be getting expelled. Why? Well, the kid made fun of me, so I slapped him across the face. So? Was it worth it? Yeah. Why? Well, because I, was, I came out on top. 
did you? And I looked this kid in the face and I went, so you are losing all your friends. Your parents have to drive your butt to a new district. You have to start all over. You might get held back because you thought it'd be a good idea to raise your fist. He goes, and the best part, my girlfriend might be really mad at me. <laughs> That's at least your problem. She's going to forget about you. <laughs> Some of y'all are so quick because y'all want the last laugh or you want to be right or you want to have all these things. But the thing is, is that when we choose to do it God's way, which is not always easy, God wants to bless you for that. There's something on the other side because remember, he was called to be king. He was, Saul was under the spear for a reason. God did let it happen. But the thing is, God did not want Saul to die necessarily because Saul eventually dies. But the thing is, it was more about what was David going to do? This was a test. This was a test. Because the thing is, we so often want to be right, but God wants us to be righteous. The biblical definition of righteous is that you are free from guilt or shame. David seemed justified. David knew he was suffering because of this very man. <clears throat> Humanly speaking, we would be like, sure, I get it. But David recognized that it is better to be right in God's sight than right in our own sight. Going back to verse 9, when David said to Abishai, don't destroy him. No one can harm any, no one can do any harm to the Lord's anointed king and not be guilty. See, David probably would have become king. And he probably would have had a good reign. But for the rest of his life, that would have been on the back of his mind. If I would have just waited. If I didn't take my father-in-law's life. If I would have done it God's way. We wouldn't have this story of him. Most likely, David would have become the next Saul. David would have been just like Saul. And who knows if David would have been killed by someone the same way. David recognized that though Saul was king, Saul, or David recognized that though he was to be king, Saul was still God's chosen one. Because <clears throat> here's the thing. When we do things our way, we're telling God we know more than him. Well, God, that person hurt me, so I took it upon myself to say and speak my mind. Okay. Well, that teacher just doesn't understand. She does not know how to do calculus. So I told her she does not know how to do calculus. I don't either, but I just want to make sure she knows. My parents don't know what they're doing because I know better. They'd say, I told you so, so I don't do it. See, when this is challenging because, and I, like I said, I don't say this because it's easy. I say this because it's hard. If it was easy, we wouldn't need it in the Bible. It's kind of like, thou shalt not murder. Some apparently still struggle with that, but majority of us go, okay. But the thing is, is that when we do things our way, we tell God we know more than him. In scripture, it says that the creation does not determine what they are, but the creator does, right? A man does not make a chair and say, Right, like if, if someone made a chair, if a man made a chair, he determines what that chair is for, right? Because you sit in it. We don't go, I think it would be great for sewing and balancing stuff. No, it was created to be a chair, to be sat in. So when we tell God, God, I don't like how you do things, and it doesn't mean we might always agree, but the thing is that our feelings 
are obsolete to God's word. God is saying, listen, I put these people in your life. And the thing is, is God doesn't say, you're going to be a bad leader, you're going to be a good leader, you're going to be an okay leader, you're going to be a great leader. They have free will. These leaders can decide to do what they want. God says, I'm going to put you there. And if you're good, you'll stay. And if you're bad, you might stay. They choose. But when we try to do things our way, speak our mind, do all these things, we're saying, God, I can be a better God than you ever will. God, I know you've been on doing this thing for eternity. You created the universe. You hold the universe in your hands. But us, with maybe our 72-year life average, it says it's like the length of a breath in God's terms, we say we're better. We ain't. But my question to you today is where is there someone in your life or who is the person in your life that is challenging you? Who is the person in your life that you're having a hard time with? Teacher, coworker, boss. You know who it is. But my question to you is maybe God, do you think God's trying to teach you something? See, David couldn't become king God's way until his character was developed. Anything built by man without God's hand is destined to fail. Saul was wanted by the people. God gave it to him, not necessarily God's plan. Built by man. It didn't work. That's the same in our own lives. But there are people in your life that you want out of the way. You have your own Saul. But if not careful, in our attempt to overthrow Saul, we become Saul. So I have three questions for you. Who is the person in your life that is Saul? Number two, who do you need to forgive? And number three, who do you need to ask forgiveness from? We all think we're David. I'm David, man after God's own heart. Goliath walked in here, I'd drop him too. But you wouldn't run for 10 years. Some of y'all <coughs> unknowingly have become your own Saul. So, and this is challenging, to being more like Christ kind of hurts sometimes. It's not always easy, right? Jesus said you're going to have trials and tribulations, not if but when. Jesus said you're going to suffer. Jesus said you got to carry your cross and follow me, right? These are like We all are like, oh, Jesus is love, and he is. But this thing isn't always supposed to be easy. But scripture tells us that we are to go to the person that offends us and we are to ask forgiveness and tell them what's having a hard time. But here's the thing, not to be right. This is something you very quickly learn in marriage in the sense of you want to be right, but that doesn't fix the problem every time. 
You'll speak your mind. You're like, well, or there's those times like you know you're wrong, but you're like, but I'm going to hold out as long as I can. This is going to be a verbal conversation of attrition. You're going to be worn out. I'm still wrong, but at least you're tired and won't realize it. But Scripture says we must go to our brother, <coughs> ask for forgiveness. When I say brother, I mean sister. I mean just anyone in your life. Not you're like, well, I don't have a brother. Well, don't worry. It's not that literal. It's just people in general. But you're supposed to go to them. One, go low, ask for forgiveness first. Because if you went and let's say Isaac really made me mad, and I was like, Isaac, you're a jerk. You suck. You did this and that. I wouldn't do that if I were you. Is that really going to get things better, or is that just strange trying to prove a point again? That's just me driving another spear through Isaac. And guess what Isaac's going to do? Right back. But we're supposed to be people that are gentle, yet shrewd, merciful, but truthful. Not just great, right? You know those people that are all truth, and they tell you everything about you, and you're like, ah, it hurts. They're like, you're like, ah. And then there's some people who are like, oh, it's fine. You, it's, it's, it's probably just me. And you're like, just tell me what it is. They're like, no, it's okay. Like, we're supposed to be both. So my encouragement to you guys is, one, who's that person in your life that's causing a hard time? Two, do you need to forgive them? And three, who do you need to ask forgiveness from? This is hard. Joey, you can come up here and play keys. <clears throat> this is challenging for us because it means we actually have to do something. Because it's great to come to church on Wednesday and maybe on Sunday, and you're like, I heard a great message. And Monday, it's all out the window. But the word says we are to shema, the Hebrew word meaning to listen and do. Right? You could hear your parents say, do the dishes. But if you don't do them, did you really listen? No. But we are in a moment here where we might need to shema to listen and do. So who's that person? Because you could walk out of here and get nothing out of this. Cool. Not on me to do. Us as leaders are just called to do what you've been asked and be obedient to God. And what you do with it is up to you. You could come to church your whole life and get nothing out of it. You could go through your old teenage years, start at Sunday Connect, be a young adult, serve here, leave, and never mature spiritually. We've seen it happen. But, once again, there's a blessing on the other side of obedience. This isn't just to, God, I have to listen to God, and Julian said I have to do this now, and my tribe leader's gonna ask me on Tuesday if I forgave anybody but I have to forgive them because they made fun of me in front of my tribe friends. But the thing is, is that when we're obedient to God, one, we grow in our character, and God says, I can work with that heart. God can't work with a hard heart. God can't work with someone who's a jerk all the time. But God's looking at you and saying, there's people in your life that God's going, what are they going to do? Jesus is up there with all the disciples. He's like, dude, Peter, remember you cut off that guy's ear? I think he might do it too. <laughs> and they're going, what's he going to do? So what are you going to do? Because there's blessing on the other side. 
I'm not saying because you forgave someone, suddenly you got a million dollars. That's not what I'm saying. But you'll have peace. Because the thing about unforgiveness is that it's taking poison, expecting the other person to die. Because Saul could have killed, or David could have killed Saul, but for the rest of his life, never truly forgave him, nor himself now, because he had blood on his hands. So, who's that person in your life that's testing you? Do you need to forgive? And who do you need to ask forgiveness from? So, altar team, you could come up, run up here real quick, run up here, run up here. Get to your spot. This takes courage. This Christianity thing ain't easy. It ain't. If it was, everybody would be Christian. But it's hard. It's countercultural. But I believe that when God puts something on your heart, like, like Dama was saying, what's God asking you to do more of? Maybe this is the more. So all heads bowed, all eyes closed. We'll get to the part about forgiveness. But maybe you're in here and you're saying, you know what, Julian, I'm hearing these words and, and I just, you know what? I just need to start a relationship with God. I need to get right with God. It says in his word in Romans that when we confess with our mouths and in our hearts that God is Savior and Lord, we shall be saved. So this isn't a thing of Hey, pray for me because I've sinned. This is a prayer of if you are in here and you want to accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior and say, you know what? I got to get right with God. I got to start a relationship with God. Doesn't mean you have all the answers. You have your whole life to figure this thing out and walk it out with people. You're at a church that wants to do this with you. You have leaders and students that want to do this with you. But if you're in here, I don't want you to hesitate. I want you to be bold. I want you to be courageous. I want you to trust the Holy Spirit. But with all heads bowed, all eyes closed, if you're in here and you're like, I need a relationship with God or I need to get right with God and I have ran from God, not that you have been sinning, but you have not been in relationship with God. And if that's you and you want to start a relationship with him today, right now, not tomorrow, right here, right now, I encourage you, all heads bowed, all eyes closed, if that's you, just to run up here right now and pray with the leader. If you're in here and you want to start a relationship with Jesus, come up and get prayed for. All right. Can y'all give it up? That's a bold thing to do. We have other leaders up here. It says in heaven, when even one sinner repents and comes to know Jesus as Lord, it says all of heaven celebrates. So right now, heaven's having a party for one. But if you're in the next group, this is what I want to do. If there's some people, if you need to forgive someone, or if you need to ask forgiveness from someone and just need the courage for someone to pray with you to do this, I just encourage you on the count of three, I want you to find one of these leaders, girls with girls, guys with guys, and they're going to pray with you to help you start this process how you start forgiving and how to have the courage to ask for forgiveness. So if you're in here and you feel like you need to ask for forgiveness from someone or there's been someone that's hurt you in your heart 
They could be dead or alive. I don't know, big or small, but you need to also forgive. I just encourage you on the count of three to come up. One, this is not between anyone else. This is between you and the Lord. This is your healing, no one else's. Two, this is you. This is your chance. Three, if that's just you, I encourage you to come up here right now. Can y'all give it up for them?